0: From the All-Ireland Business Foundation, this is Elaine Carl bringing you AIBF Business Talk. AIBF is an independent national body tasked with enterprise development and the promotion of best-in-class businesses as business all-stars. Today, I catch up with John Gahan, founder of MGM Corporate Solutions, established to help SMEs become more profitable. Through using the skill set and experiences he developed over 40 years, working with large SDI companies, multinationals, SMEs and own contract manufacturing operations. Thank you so much for joining me on AIBF business talk today John. John, you've been working helping companies and working within the manufacturing field in particular over the last 40 years with FDIs, multinationals, But now you're at the other side of the fence, helping SMEs to grow to their full potential. I'd love for you maybe to share with us that journey that you've had over the last 40 years and where it all began.
1: Well, it began because uh, it began where I grew up at home. Uh, I grew up on a farm, lots of hard work and knowing the value of work. uh, I was the second son in the family. So my older brother stayed on the farm and I was given the door. Uh, but I was so happy looking back that that's been my life. Um, went to UL in the days when it was NIHE. Uh, I wasn't the first student in. I went in in 75, NIHE opened in 72. But um, I studied production. Uh, I did a diploma in production engineering. Then I did a degree a year after coming out to do manufacturing. And after that, I uh, thought we could do anything in UL and uh, applied to do a master's in UCD only to discover that uh, the status quo wasn't too uh, receptive to NIHE coming on board. Uh, And uh, UL or UCD were under the uh, auspices of the NUI, and there was only four universities at that time. So I applied only to be turned down. I got the very courteous uh, interview from a panel of seven or eight uh, professors. I remember them all to this day, and um, I had to pursue that, and I I vowed that when they rejected me that uh, I would join it, and I thought it was a club, and I would get into that club. And uh, about three or four years later, I did win my way into doing a master's in UCD, and uh, it was a fantastic program, and I became the first graduate from UL to do a master's in UCD. Of course, many have since... Uh, done such programs and and that was my yearly experience from education work wise I was very fortunate with some very valuable learnings early on in my work life I started in Scotland spent a short time over there then joined a consultancy and uh, in the period when I was doing My uh, degree, I was out in co-op, but I got a consultancy assignment and I was sent down to Bombardier in Shannon, where they were building buses. So I was in as a consultant. It was thrown in at the deep end. And the lesson I learned there was, you know, when you're thrown in at the deep end, it's a matter of sink or swim. And I had no choice but to survive. And I survived that. But the great benefit that I learned from it was that when you're thrown in and you might meet an obstacle, don't regard it as being a blockage. It's an obstacle and you have to find your way around it. And uh, that was a great lesson, uh, that you can survive. And later I joined that same company, but it was the manufacturing arm. And they were extraordinarily successful and making very substantial profits, uh, but they went into liquidation. Uh, You'd say it couldn't happen, but it did. It was a liquidity problem. They were very profitable, but it was a liquidity problem. And what I learned there was, I learned that lesson, but I also learned the importance of how you set up companies, uh, because that family, they lost everything, including their private home. It was a terrible sad end to that, co- to that family at that time. The outcome for me from that, because I was made redundant, I went then to Wang. Wang wanted to outsource. They wanted to give their business. They were a multinational, and they wanted to give business to the uh, SMEs, indigenous sector. That was the requirement and the request from the government at the time. And they weren't getting a great lot of joy or satisfaction out of it. And I was brought in to help them to restructure it. My approach was a bit different. I was coming from the SME side. I looked at what was on offer. And then I tried to identify who are the players that was providing these services and matched their uh, expertise and classified the products to give them business that suited them. Not that all people should be all things to all situations. Everybody had to succeed. Wang had to succeed to get a successful outcome. And the companies that were uh, wanting to become suppliers to that sector, they needed to uh, get returns from their efforts. So it was while I was there that I met a deputation from Germany, uh, Leonische, And subsequently, a couple of months after meeting them, they uh, headhunted me to join them. I joined that company in Dublin Airport. The idea was to establish a manufacturing company in Ireland and penetrate the English-speaking markets. Uh, Leonisha, of course, at the time, they're the largest cable manufacturer in the world. When I joined, I was number two. There was no plant. I spent four months in Germany learning how to cost, learning how everything about cable manufacturing, everything about the processes. And one of the things was the uh, ferocious detail that they went into on what they did, costing, processes. And, uh, and, you know, I was young and I was hungry for information uh, and had to put all this into play. So we started off, and four years later, we have 350 people uh, employed. We're doing outstandingly successful, and uh, we got great support from our, from our uh, colleagues in Germany, sister companies and so forth. But then we were so successful, we became uh, a, dis- a, a, a disruptor, uh, because our profits were much greater than theirs. And uh, anyway, it was a great success, lots of learning. The market at the time in Ireland and plenty of the players said, look, uh, there's enough players doing cable assembly, uh, there's adequate capacity, there's no need for another party to join this market. The there was, business is not about capacity. Business is about service. And we were brilliant at that. And then I joined, uh, I was headhunted to Costell. And again, a multinational German company traced itself back to 1912 in the automotive sector. And um, I joined, they had 330 people. And four years later, when I departed there, Uh, we had grown the business from, we had had tripled the turnover, doubled the manpower, and multiplied the profit by five. Uh, So I thought, you know, I'd go and set up myself. So those are my early experiences. But that learning has stood to me all my life. And I love the Germans because they are so good and so disciplined. Detail. And that's vital if you want to succeed in manufacturing. And the other thing, they always told me that uh, manufacturing was a great engine for generating wealth which you had to be able to make sure you understood how to uh, you know how to manage that business so that it would be a success
0: and I can just imagine John that the companies now that have the privilege of working with you on a one-to-one basis you know that whole sheer load of experience that you're bringing in from all the different methodologies and processes and all that through all different sectors and just thinking about where we're at right now in 2023 you know we see more interest rates hikes last week and, you know, we see a lot of tightening out there. What, How would you see the SME landscape right now?
1: Well, the, the SME landscape in the, in, in, you know, in the great scale of how are we performing? Uh, I actually think the SME's Indigenous sector is performing very well. If you look at uh, Enterprise Ireland year-end report, uh, and I was listening to uh, Leo Clancy announce those results uh, fairly recently, the SME sector, and, and on the, in the enterprise Ireland, there are about 4,000 within their remit Turnover from that sector, 70 billion. That's what they have reported. 38 billion of that is spent in the Irish economy. And 32 billion of it is uh, is in exports. That is a very substantial result and a very impressive result. And the sector is employing 210,000 people. All really positive. But the issue for me isn't the impressiveness of those numbers. The issue for me is when you look at the SME sector and that particular sector in manufacturing, 20% of the population generate 80% of the result. And that means those companies are performing very well. Some would even say that that 20% is even smaller to generate the results. And we see loads of evidence of that from the foreign direct companies, uh, particularly when you look at the corporate tax take. Uh, I think it's 10 of them are generating 50% of the corporate tax take on the exchequer. Three of those companies are doing 30%. Anyway, my issue is, what about the 80% of the population of Irish manufacturers, SME manufacturers, that are underperforming? That's the population that has interested me, and that's the population that interests me. I think they are underperforming, and I think that they are capable of so much more. And many of them don't know what they don't know, and if we could help those, I think we could transform their lives, the lives of those businesses, the lives of all of the people that are employed in.
0: Even just to think of the ripple effect of what they get back into the economy through employment and taxes and, and ancillary service as well. John, for any business owner or leader of um, you know a manufacturing type SME that's listening in here to us today, what would you say to them? to I suppose, you know, to ignite them up to the as to the potential that, that's probably there within their business.
1: What I would say is that we're creatures of conditioning. And sometimes you know commentators say if you talk about the SME sector, you could be talking about the plastic side of it, you could be talking about construction, you could be talking about the consumable side, you could be talking about electronics. Any of those sectors, they'll probably tell you that the norm that the the industry Accepts that you're going to want to make, you know, five, six, seven percent profit, and I think that that's 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 not good enough. I wouldn't be somebody who would accept that. Of course, I would say if that's the average, fair enough. But if your company is capable of producing, is producing five or six percent or even lower, as many of them are, and your company is capable of producing an awful lot more, I'd say. Don't tell anyone, just go for it and achieve. I've spent seven years and seen more than 400 companies with Enterprise Ireland when I sat on their board, vetting uh, grant application, so forth. So I have a fair good feel for what is the status of how companies perform. And um, you'd be surprised about the number that are in, you know, marginal uh, profits and the number of companies that are below 5%. Uh, I have gone into companies. Another thing that I did with Enterprise Ireland was on the mentoring side. But I would think that uh, there is an awful lot of untapped potential. And the issue is uh, to understand and to be able to make a judgment. What is that? Put a number on it and guide the company to deliver on that kit.
0: How can a company, John, determine if they're ready to take that next step, you know, be to growth, to scaling up, to internationalization?
1: Well, um, you know, you won't be surprised if I say very often, a company will be on its knees before it will look for the really the kind of important support uh, that can be so beneficial to it. The consultancy word comes with it expensive fees very often. And I was, uh, you know, when I was the owner and running my own business, I was always very conscious about, uh, you know, I if I go talking to these groups, there'll be a very expensive fee that will come with it and that's not something that I'm ready to accept. And, um, but having said that, my approach to the companies is to talk to them on the basis of: Are they fulfilling their potential? Would they be willing to share some of their uh, their uh, their uh, intimate details about their company's performance, etc., etc.? I don't charge enormous amount of money. Uh, I come from the from the point of view. My own belief was uh, seventy five. If you knew what seventy five percent of the problems companies were trying to solve you know, if when I was selling, if I knew 75% of their issues, I was a long ways to winning that business because I either had something to offer them to help that problem or I didn't. So I, I tend to take the same approach and I say, look, it'll cost you a small amount of money, not, you know, we're talking about two or two and a half, maybe max 3,000. And out of that, I'll put a determination on what's possible here. And if there's no gap, there's no gap. But what I have found is there's gaps of hundreds of thousands. That's what I found. And it comes back to that, what I was mentioning. uh, Maybe I mentioned it earlier. You know, is that a management problem? Is it a pricing problem? Is it a costing problem? Is it a control problem? Is it a system problem? And I'll put a number, but I'll be saying, this is what we have to do. And this is what we're going to get. So, I mean, it'll be straightforward enough if I went into a company I have two companies that I'm working they're relatively new at the moment one of them I've said 600,000 in this company this is what I want uh, to accomplish they're a turnover of about uh, 7 million and um, I'm saying that's what we're after and uh, I'm mentoring them by the way and not only have we, are we a long ways into that now after about a couple of hours of my time working with them and they are they're, they're, they're soaking it up They can't get enough of it. And they have identified things that they never even realised was possible. And nearly 300,000 of that is going to come from me triggering an event which says, we have too many buildings, we don't need that, and we're going to, we can cut all of that. We don't need to be leasing that extra building. And they're going to save 300,000.
0: And and that gap analysis right from the outset, it's so, so important because two awesome business owners, you know... uh, and managers and leaders get caught up in the day-to-day operations but by taking a step back and giving yourself that time you know to work with somebody perhaps external like you john it gives that headspace as well to look at you know where you're at and where you'd like to be and just that whole gap that exists in there john there's obviously you know lots of obstacles out there that smes encounter you know on a daily basis which might prevent them from scaling for anybody that's listening in here today, you know, I'd just like to have your final take on what they should be, could, or should or could be looking out for, you know, within their own operations to make sure that they're set up on that good grounding for, you know, the next step.
1: Are you ready for that step? You know, if you want to talk about internationalisation, you want to talk about scaling, uh, I think you have to be the best that you can be actually where you're at right now. People don't scale because their margins are too low. People don't internationalise because the risk is too great, and you have to be in a position where the company can afford taking these steps. And I think that when you have accomplished an awful lot of the things uh, that I'm talking about, you'll equally then know when it's right to go uh, scaling. Or because we are actually a, quite a limited market in Ireland, and if you can compete, if you can become the best that you can be, I think you can compete. But you'll you'll understand how your competitors you know, what their competitive advantage is in whether they're Germany or France or the UK. Uh, And I think it's quite interesting, actually, when you look at the SME uh, situation and the exports. There was a time when we were looking just at the UK, but since Brexit, uh, we have managed to widen that market very, very substantially. Additionally, we would been put off by language uh, uh, barriers and so forth. But language is important, uh, but it's not necessarily a barrier. It is about the service you can provide at the price you can provide it and with the um, the kind of quality supports and customer service that goes with that. Uh, so for manufacturing, you have your operations and people will come and see, what are you doing? How are you doing it? And they like it or they won't like it, but they'll be able to see uh, firsthand uh, you know, what your standards of operation are. And what attention to detail are you able to provide?
0: John, you've been an absolute wealth of information here today. I've enjoyed, you know, getting, I suppose, a, a more of an in-depth insight into the mindset behind the manufacturing industry and processes and all of that. But also, my mind has really been opened up as to the opportunities that exist for, we call it, the majority of SMEs out there. And it appears that there's so much scope potentially there for them to scale, to internationalise, to grow exactly, you know, where they're at right now and to realise their full potential. And I think something that I really learned from you and I'm taking from our conversations is that sometimes we just, you know, become creatures of habit. And if something is the norm, maybe we just try and fit within those norm and those averages. But what's stopping us from being the very best that we can be, just as in the sporting field, you know, and, it, and it's after we're talking about this, you know, just after Two Great All Ireland, that always strive to be the very best that you can be. John thank you so much for joining us it's obvious that your wealth of experience gained over the last four or five decades working with companies to help them scale and your own personal story behind that it's fantastic to see you putting it now you know out there and your expertise making it available to SMEs and those that really do need your guidance and your counsel be that through mentoring or consulting. John if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you after listening to our session here today how should they do that?
1: Well, maybe come back through yourself. Maybe I'm saying the wrong thing there, but I think that come back to uh, to AIBF 0872438765. My company is called MJM Corporate Solutions, but uh, that's the number that I use. For the remainder of my working life, I would love to be part of the transformation of that 80% of the population. I would love to see that 1 billion that's lost somewhere in the system every year find its way to those businesses my primary objective is every time we've had a crisis in ireland we export people and i think it's a great shame and uh, we ought to be able to be uh, we could if we were able to be uh, uh, if we could harvest that potential in dollar one billion and invest in our businesses and we'd be able to grow them internationally and we'd get an awful lot more of that, 80% of the population being able to go global, being able to go international, competing with the best. We're a very versatile uh, species in Ireland, and uh, we're not afraid of hard work. And we we actually love to compete. And uh, that would be my message.
0: Thank you so much, John. Great nuggets in there. And I can't wait to listen back myself and also to take some more notes because... It- You know, it really kind of just opened up my eyes as to what is possible. And I'm sure our listeners would love that side of it as well. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening to AIBF Business Talk today. I really do hope you enjoyed listening in. To find out more about the All-Ireland Business Foundation and the work that we do, especially the Business All-Stars programme, just go to www.aibf.ie. Remember. Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Until next time, from your host, Elaine Carl.
1: Goodbye.